Welcome back to episode 14, episode 14 of the Combat Review. In this episode, we cover off uh, a little bit of a discussion on open scoring in MMA. And I know I use the word discussion uh, when it's just me talking, but I had a discussion with myself and you're going to listen to it. Um, very interesting kind of conversation around that or thoughts around that. I think, uh, well, you'll see what I think in a minute, but I'm not really up for the idea. I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, and I break down the reasons why very, very shortly. We go through some announced bouts. The U uh, announced bouts. The UFC has spouted out a load of fights that are coming up over the next month or two. So we go through that. We also have a little bit of a discussion on Robert Whitaker and what we think he needs to do to get a title shot again. And do we even want to see that fight? Let me know. Uh, we also cover off the possibility of Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. This is episode 14 of the Combat Review. I hope you enjoy, friends. So, open scoring. Um, Dana was asked recently, I think in an interview, if... Um, if the UFC would move to open scoring uh, and not wanting to teach anyone to suck eggs, but what open scoring would be is that at the end of each round, um, the judges would tell the corners or someone would tell the corners what the judges scores were. So if you won the first two rounds in a three round fight, you know, going into the third round, you definitely won the first two rounds in a three round fight. Um, and I think basically what Dana was saying is no, that's a bad idea because what will end up happening is people will know they're up two to one and they'll take the whole of the third round, third round off. Um, which I'm not too sure I, be, I, I agree with, to be honest, because people know when they're two rounds up most of the time. If you get your close fights, which you do tend to get from time to time, you have close rounds and things like that. Fair enough. And then if you do know that you're up or you know that you've drawn or you know that they're up on two and you're up on one, I don't know how much of an edge that gives you. I also don't think that if you're in a close fight and you are one round apiece or say you're two rounds up, but they've been two very close rounds, I still don't think you're likely to take the second round off because by the, the very premise of them being close rounds is that it's probably a close fight, which means you're probably in there, you're probably taking damage. So you don't really want to take the third round off because, I mean, you could end up getting knocked out. Um, I also think, uh, and this is something that Dana didn't say, um, I think it would, for a fan's experience, kill it completely. You know, because... No one likes a robbery, you know, when someone you, you're, you, you're sure won the fight, the fans are sure won the fight, the judges are the only people in the building that aren't sure who won the fight. Um, no one likes that. And it's obviously not good when you get the robbery, but I can probably count on one hand the amount of robbery robberies there have been in the last, I don't know, Three years? It doesn't happen that much. Yeah, when it happens, you 
that it drags up the whole conversation about MMA judging and what we're going to do differently and how we're going to change it. But the actual fact of the matter is it doesn't happen enough for us to have actually done something about that problem that doesn't really actually exist. Um, you will get the odd unpalatable decision from time to time, but it's not big enough of a deal to change judging. In any event, I'm rambling. As far as open scoring goes, um, I think it's a terrible idea. And the reason I think it's a terrible idea is it's a spectator sport. And obviously at the moment there are no fans in the stadium. But the second you bring fans in the stadium and you start telling corners that they're two rounds up, all of a sudden the expectation of a decision, whether or not, you know, if it's a close if it's a close three rounds, there's still that little element that you don't quite know who won. And as a fan being in the stadium or watching on the TV, it's really nice to know or find out at that moment. However, I know they were not going to tell the crowd who's winning. Mind you, they might do. They didn't mention that in the interview. That, that's something that they might do. But they will tell the corners. And you will be able to tell by how a corner behaves um, what position or where the scoring is at um so as far as open scoring goes i think it's a terrible idea terrible idea i don't think dana's right in saying that you'll have fighters that will take the third round off because there isn't too many times where a fighter takes the third round off like there's fights every week where a fighter wins the first two rounds and they know they've won the first two rounds they don't take the third round off and in fairness, if the, the opposite fighter knows they've lost two rounds, then they shouldn't be letting them take the third round off. You know, the only real way it works is if you're a wrestler and you hold them down. But even that, if you can do that anyway, then I guess it's not really taking it off. You're, you're winning the fight. So I just don't think that open scoring has a place in the UFC. And I do think Invicta have started doing it. And I think LFA might do it to a certain degree as well. I, I genuinely think that the negatives far outweigh the benefits when it comes to open scoring. And I'd like to hear um, a counter argument to that. You know, if anyone disagrees, I, I genuinely think that it's a terrible idea and I don't know why you'd do it. Um, I know in boxing, they bring up uh, judges' scorecards or they bring up, they have celebrity judges and they bring up scorecards. I'm not really adverse to a a sort of celebrity scorecard in MMA. I mean, they're not that exciting in boxing. Um, and most people in boxing are able to tell a 10-9 round when they see one. Whereas in MMA, it's a little bit more difficult to tell a 10-9 round. And that kind of is a little bit more of the allure about it. Um, it makes everything a little bit more exciting and a little bit more interesting when there's there's room for interpretation um, in the scoring. I know people talk a lot about wanting to change MMA scoring. And I go back and forth from it. I probably change my mind like the wind. But I don't think we should have a 10-9 must system because that was invented for a sport that isn't MMA. I think um, there should be an own brand of MMA scoring. The problem is it should have been done at the inception of MMA, and it wasn't. So now that we've adopted this 10-9 must system, 
I don't think you can just change it in the middle of in the middle of a growing sport. And the sport is still growing and changing and adapting. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's a that's a possibility. I don't think open scoring is right either. Basically, what I'm saying to you after all of this is we should probably just leave scoring exactly the way it is. I think it's fine. You know, like I said, as far as robberies go, there aren't that many. And you know what? When they are, it's a good talking point. It gets people talking to each other about the sport. It gets people discussing judging. It gets people discussing fighters. It gets people discussing fights. It creates disagreement. Controversy creates cash at all times. And to leave that little little light in the in the tunnel, that little chink open, that little door open where potentially you can have that mistake happen, I don't think is necessarily such a bad thing. And we see it in the Premier League before VAR came came in uh, and VAR has come in. And guess what? We're still seeing it. There's still talking points. There's still controversy. If there wasn't talking points or wasn't controversy, the sport would not be as fun. And I genuinely believe that. So I think it's very important um, that we do leave that little chink open uh, for discussion to keep people talking, to keep people engaged um, and to keep the sport fun and entertaining. Let's leave scoring the way it is, shall we? Robert Whittaker. So Dana came out yesterday and uh, said that basically Robert Whittaker won't get the next title shot or isn't ready for a title shot yet. He needs to fight one more time. So for those of you that may have forgotten, um, and I'm sure there are some of you that have forgotten, uh, Israel Adesanya obviously took the belt from Robert Whittaker at UFC 243 back in October 2019. Um, he didn't fight for, the, I think he had six or seven months off, and then he fought Darren Till, and he won a unanimous decision against Darren Till. And that was a very, very good fight. It was also a very, very close fight. I do think the decision was correct, as much as I love Darren Till. Um, he then again had a unanimous decision victory against Jared Cannonier. So he's taken out, and if we look at the rankings here, uh, Robert Wicker's number one, Paolo Costa's number two, Cannonier and Till are three and four. So there's a couple of fights that we can talk about for Robert Wicker for this extra fight that Dana White thinks that he needs to have. Um, and I'm not sure I disagree with Dana here. The trouble is, is he's ranked number one, Whitaker, but it does feel very, um, it feels quite close to the last time that, it, it feels like he only lost the belt yesterday, I think is what I'm trying to say. And normally when you want to see that rematch, it either has to be immediately or there has to be, a kind of a half decent gap of time and opponents before they can make their way back. And obviously there wasn't an immediate rematch. Um, Adesanya went off and did his own thing. Um, obviously retained the belt a couple of times um, against Mr. Scary or Romero and Whitaker went off and beat Taron Till and Jared Cannonier. So I do think Whitaker needs to fight again. Um, I mean, you could do the fight. You could do the fight. The reason I don't think you should is you've got people like Marvin Vittori 
who have stormed up the rankings, who've entered the top five and is brand new. That's not a bad fight for Robert Whitaker. Um, I think Whitaker would beat him. It gives him his extra fight. Uh, it also tests Vittori out against the, 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 the creme de la creme of the middleweight division. There's also Jack Hermanson in there, although I probably wouldn't want to see that fight. Um, but that is a fight in there. I'm going to throw this one out to you, and I don't know why this hasn't happened yet. Um, but Paolo Costa, I think the next fight to make is Paolo Costa versus uh, Robert Whitaker. The only one problem with that is if Paolo Costa won, because we don't want to give Paolo Costa a title shot straight away uh, because he just got humiliated, humiliated by Israel Adesanya. So as far as I'm concerned, the fight to make in the 185-pound division is Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori, and I don't want to hear anything else about it. So, obviously, uh, as far as announced fights goes, uh, when we kind of hit the tail end of December, there wasn't too much going on. And I, I, know, I know we weren't scared, but we kind of thought maybe we can have some fight announcements. That'd be really nice. Um, we had to wait a week or two, and now they've gone flooding in. So, uh, over the last couple of days, uh, or probably in the last week, should I say, some of these are actually announced as, as close as yesterday, and some of them were actually announced a week or so ago. Um, but let's go through and see some of the fights that have recently been announced by the UFC. So, we start off, excuse me, uh, we start off on January the 16th, which is uh, the first card back, and it is UFC on ABC, uh, which marks the first time the UFC will be broadcast on ABC, uh, and it's also its first return um, to network television since about 2018, I believe. So quite a big deal for the UFC, and they have rolled out the stars to a certain extent. Uh, the main event is Max Holloway and Calvin Catter. Uh, obviously, that has been announced for quite a while, but... They have recently added Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, which for me is quite a fun fight. Both guys are kind of towards the end of their career. And poor Carlos Condit, I think, lost five in a row before his most recent victory over Court McGee. Um, Matt Brown is kind of following a similar path. Um, I do like Matt Brown, uh, but he lost three in a row, I think. He then beat uh, Diego Sanchez and someone else. Uh, ben Saunders, and then recently lost to Miguel Beza. So both guys um, are kind of on the way down, um, which kind of makes this quite a compelling fight. And I always, I always want um, fighters to kind of retire when they go on that skid and they start putting loads of losses together. But for some reason, when they fight another fighter who's put a load of losses together, I kind of think it's okay. And I kind of, kind of want to watch them fight each other. I, I don't know why. I, I allow it. Um, I allow it when they're both shit, basically. <laughs> as, as nasty as that is. Because I kind of think they're not going to hurt each other too much. Um, and that's, that's probably a really horrible thing to say about two killers like Carlos Condit and, and Matt Brown. But that's the way I think about things. And I can't explain to you why. Um, another fight on that card is Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, versus uh, Li Jinglang, um, which is a pretty 
pretty good fight. Obviously, Ponzinibbio has been uh, dancing around the welterweight division for quite a while, um, but he is currently on a, I think he's on a seven-fight win streak. He is on a seven-fight win streak, most notably knocking out Neil Magny, but he has not fought in two years, uh, which is very interesting. So I bet there's a decent story behind that, which I don't know. Wouldn't it be much better if I could bring you that information? Um, but yeah, so Ponzinibbio coming from a two-year layoff. Um, it looks to me like he pulled out of the, pulled out of a fight in 2019 due to a staff a staff infection, um, and he did have another f- fight booked, but then uh, his opponent pulled out, and then we had obviously the whole global pandemic. So Ponzinibbio has been on a roll, um, and he obviously needs to keep that going. Uh, another little note: this this card, aside from the main event, um, is it's got two worldweight fights on it, two middleweight fights on it, um, and a pretty decent prelim, which you kind of expect uh, when the UFC is on uh, network television because obviously they want to push as many eyes towards the product as possible. So that is quite a fun card to kick off what they're kind of calling a bit of a fight week. So next um, we have got Michael Chiesa taking on Neil Magny, which has only recently been announced, I think as, as soon as yesterday. Um, the reason for this fight is obviously Hamzat Chumayev was supposed to fight Leon Edwards on this card. Um, it all went wrong and fell apart because uh, Chumayev has got COVID, I believe, or he's or he had COVID and he hasn't yet got over the symptoms of COVID. So his doctor recommends that he takes a little bit more time to recover, uh, which is slightly annoying as that fight has now been cancelled twice, but I believe they're trying to rebook it again. So we're all very excited to see that. As I'm sure many of you know, I don't like Leon Edwards. Um, nothing personal. I just find him very boring. And Hamzat Chemaev is obviously uh, tearing through the UFC, and we'll see if he can continue that. Um, but yes, Neil Magny versus um, Michael Chiesa has just been announced, which for me is a pretty good fight. Uh, Magny obviously coming off that KO loss. Um, I believe that was his last fight. Should we double-check before I sound foolish? Um Neil Magny, uh, no, sorry, I tell a lie. Um, he got KO'd by Ponzinibbio. He then went on a three-fight win streak. Of course he did. Uh, beating Zhang Lang, Zhang Li Lang, Li Zhang, Li Jing Lang. That's what we're going to say, Li Jing Lang. Um, Rocco Martin and obviously a unanimous decision victory over Robbie Lawler back in August. Poor Robbie Lawler. I always feel bad about Robbie Lawler. Um, as far as Michael Chiesa goes, he's on a three-fight win streak. Uh, he submitted Carlos Condit. He beat Diego Sanchez, which, in fairness, isn't impressive. I think at this point, I could beat Diego Sanchez. And I may be one-on-one one in my MMA career. But Diego Sanchez, I can beat him. I don't know if you saw him in his last fight. It was sad. He's all fat and out of shape. Poor bloke. Uh, he also got a unanimous decision victory against RDA. That is a very impressive victory. So Chiesa is actually on a bit of a roll at the moment. Um, long may it continue. I've never really liked Neil Magny. I find him a bit boring. Um, I find him a bit boring. I was going to apologise then, but I don't want to. So um, the next fight that has been announced, and this one was rumoured for quite a while, uh, obviously Michael Chandler coming over from Bellator. Uh, he has been looking for an opponent to welcome him to the UFC um, since uh, he signed about six months ago. That man is Dan Hooker, one of my favourites. 
Uh, Hooker was on a three-fight win streak before he lost to Dustin Poirier, uh, which was kind of a title eliminator fight. So this is a really good fight for Hooker to kind of um, show that he can hang with the best and he can get back to winning ways. It is also a very, very important fight for Michael Chandler because for years he was the man in Bellator um, and that there was always that ongoing discussion as to whether or not he can actually hang with the people in the UFC. Well, now he's got his chance. And I know we've seen people like Ben Askren come over from Bellator uh, and obviously 1FC after that. And he didn't, it's fair to say he didn't make it happen in the UFC. And that's not really a knock on Ben Askren because I like Ben Askren, but it, it didn't happen for him in the UFC. And it's just as simple as that. So all eyes will be on Michael Chandler. Um to see if he can really hang. He has come coming off a two-fight win streak, uh, both knockouts over Sydney Outlaw, who I don't know who that is, uh, and obviously Benson Henderson that we know quite well from the UFC as he is a former UFC um, lightweight champion. So that is a very, very interesting fight for me. Um, they've also put it on the same card as Poirier McGregor, which makes a hell of a lot of sense in case if anything happens to the main event, you can can the co-main event and put one of those two in there. Personally, I'd quite like to see Poirier versus Hooker again. Um, that is just a side note. I, of course, don't want Conor McGregor not to be involved in that, but it would also be quite cool to see Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. Um, very, very interesting. So I like how the UFC have done that and, I think we'll see that more and more. They have started to do it quite a lot um, when their kind of big fights are on the line uh, or they will do something like pay an alternate, which they've done before. I quite prefer to have uh, a main event, co-main event, all in the same division. So things like that um, don't happen. Happy days. So also announced uh, recently, uh, Kamara Usman will fight Gilbert Burns at UFC 258 on the 13th of February. Uh, very interesting, this one. They tried to make it a couple of times. Burns tested positive for COVID. Um, Burns, of course, is on a six-fight win streak, which is a hell of an impressive win streak um, in the uh, welterweight division. His last victory, of course, was against Ty Tyrone Woodley, who was the former champion. Still no real word on what's going on with Woodley. Um, there was always that hoo-ha about whether or not he'd been cut. Doesn't look like he has, but also he hasn't got a fight booked, so I don't really know what's going on with him. I would suggest that we'll get to the end of 2021 and Tyron Woodley won't be in the UFC anymore, but enough about Woodley. Um, Us Usman obviously took the belt from Tyron Woodley and has since defeated Kobe Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal on short notice. So as far as the welterweight division goes, I think uh, Gilbert Burns is probably the toughest test for Usman. Uh, he's obviously, Usman has obviously beat Colby Covington already uh, and he's beat Masvidal. Uh, the only other people inside the top five are Leon Edwards and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And Stephen Thompson's probably got a little bit to go before he gets another shot of the belt. Uh, obviously twice unsuccessful against Woodley. And uh, Leon Edwards, uh, as we all know, is boring. So he won't get a title shot at all. Not if Dana White can help it because Dana White doesn't like boring champions. Just ask Tyron Woodley about that and see how that went for him. Uh, another fight announced on that card is Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, which is a bit of a ugh, fight because Uriah Hall promised so much and never really delivered. Uh, anytime he puts two or three wins together, he ends up losing. 
Uh, and Chris Weidman, since he won the belt uh, and then lost the belt, he has been a bit put. Um, even looking at his record since he uh, defended the middleweight championship, he lost it to Luke Rockhold. He then got killed dead by Yoel Romero. Uh, he lost to Gegard Mousasi. He beat Kelvin Gastelum, and you think he's on the up. He then loses to Jacare and Dominic Reyes, and then he beat um, Ak Akhmadov back in August. But nothing Chris Weidman's done in the last two years. Um, you know what? Nothing Chris Weidman's done in the last five years has been impressive. He's five and two, or sorry, he's two and five in the last five years in the company. Um, so if you really have to force me to pick who I think is going to win this fight. I think Uriah Hall will. I don't think it will be an interesting fight. I don't think it will be a fun fight. Um, but it's been announced, so we're going to talk about it. No, my luck will be fight of the year and there'll be awesome knockouts. But guess what? I don't think there will be. Um, so uh, moving on to another announcement on the 20th of February, UFC Fight Night on ESPN. Uh, Curtis Blades will fight Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is one of my favourites. Um, he is on a three-fight three win streak himself. Um, his last victory, obviously, was against Olenek, and that was back in August, so not that long ago, uh, and he's definitely ready to fight again. As far as Curtis Blades is concerned, um, after Francis Ngannou killed him dead, um, prior to that, it was on a four-fight win streak. After Francis killed him, uh, he is on a four-fight win streak, and his most recent obviously came against Alexander Volkov uh, in June 2020. So he's definitely due a fight as well. When we look at the heavyweight division, mm, I think uh, Curtis Blade sits at three, Derek Lewis sits at four. Obviously, Derek Lewis has had a shot at the belt before. Um, Curtis Blades hasn't. I think if Curtis Blades wins, he deserves a shot at the belt. The trouble with that then comes is that um, there's going to be a bit of a logjam in the heavyweight division because as far as I'm concerned, Francis Ngannou gets the next shot against Stipe. If Francis wins, let's be honest, he's going to fight John Jones. If Stipe wins, let's be honest, he's going to fight John Jones. So if you're a heavyweight right now, you're not getting a title shot this year. Like, historically, heavyweights do not have three title fights a year. Hardly any heavyweight fights three times a year. It just doesn't seem to happen. That that um, division is always backed up, and I know that's difficult. And it, it, I feel like I'm 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 being harsh to Stipe here because he is a fireman, like he has an actual job, uh, and I love him for that. But at the same point, um, it does annoy me when you don't get to see three heavyweight fights a year. Put it that way. Uh, and I do think there was that year DC was very active. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. If you're a heavyweight and your name isn't Francis Ngannou or Stipe Miocic, guess what? You're not fighting for the belt this year. Um, or John Jones, obviously. So, I hate to burst all of those heavyweight bubbles, but that's what's happening, unfortunately. So, uh, we move on from that and we move on to the brilliance and wonder that is UFC 259. UFC 259, as we already know, um, or was announced, is going to be headlined by two title fights. Uh, one of them is Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. 
Um, Nunez, of course, only fought once in 2020. There was a pandemic going on. I'm fairly certain she might have had a baby or something like that. Um, I can't quite remember and I don't really care. Um, but something like that must have happened. She is obviously uh, pound for pound the best women fighter on the planet. Um, you can make a case of Valentina Shevchenko. You can't make a case for anyone else uh, because she knocked out Chris Cyborg. So she also beat Holly Holm. Um, and now she's just sort of going through the division for the sake of going through the division because no other women are on her level. Um, as far as Megan Anderson goes, I like Megan Anderson. She's actually quite fun to watch. But even when you look at her record, she's on a two-fight win streak. Prior to that, she had a loss, a win, a loss. Um, so it's quite difficult to get excited about that division when you just know there's that huge void. Um, that being said, obviously, there was that huge void when Ronda was there until there wasn't. So perhaps they'll they'll be that huge void for Amanda until there's not. And then we will see... Uh, someone rise from the ashes um, and challenge Amanda Nunes at the top of the uh, women's division. So um, I say so a lot, don't I? Uh, the last fight that I want to talk about that's been announced recently uh, is Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson. And I am excited about this fight. The reason I'm excited about this fight is obviously I'm high on Kevin Holland. You all know that. Uh, he fought five times in 2020, and he won five times. He was my um, uh, breakthrough fighter of the year. Um, he may have been my male fighter of the year. I can't even remember how bad is that, uh, and we only did it a week ago. But Kevin Holland, fantastic. Uh, he was my knockout of the year. That was it. He was my knockout of the year against Jacare Souza in his last fight when he knocked him out from sitting in the guard. Um, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Derek Brunson has always been the gatekeeper um, of the middleweight division. He wins some and he loses some. Uh, recently, he is, in fairness, on a three-fight win streak, um, which is impressive in itself because he hasn't been on one of those for about four years. Um, he has, however, lost to Israel Adesanya and he has lost to Jacare. Uh, and he has lost to Robert Whitaker. So when you look um, at the division, mm, it's quite difficult to put him. Uh, it's quite difficult to put him anywhere near a title shot when he's lost to who he's lost to. Um, for me, if Kevin Holland comes through this, and we'll have a look at the rankings as we speak. Um, Kevin Holland is ranked number 10. Derek Brunson is ranked number seven. If Kevin Holland comes through this, all of a sudden you look at the middleweight division. And I know we spoke about who Robert Whittaker is going to fight, but if, if Kevin Holland comes through this, you can make a case that Robert Whittaker can fight uh, Marvin Vittori. You can make a case that Ke uh, Robert Whittaker can fight Kevin Holland. And you can make a case that Robert Whittaker can fight Jack Hermanson. If Kevin Holland comes to this fight, which I think he will, and I caveat that because every now and then Derek Brunson su su surprises us. But if you're asking me, Kevin Holland's going to win, and then you've got a really, really interesting top five in that middleweight division, which is what Israel Adesanya needs. The thing that's annoying about it is he's going to fight Jan Blahovic uh, at UFC 259. Um 
and that kind of ruins everything. So if Israel Adesanya wins the light heavyweight belt, then we've got a serious, serious logjam at middleweight and not a very big one at light heavyweight. So I'm not quite sure why the UFC... Well, I know why the UFC has booked it, because it's a champion versus champion. It's a big fight, and it, it will sell loads of pay-per-views. Because Jan Blachowicz cannot draw on his own. Unless you're in Poland, you don't want to see Jan Blachowicz fight. And that isn't meant on a on a terrible knock for Jan Blachowicz, but he hasn't got the chat. He hasn't got the star power. He looks like a 34-year-old builder. Like, there's just not much about him. And he's a very good fighter, and he's a very explosive fighter, and he's got a lot of power, but he's not marketable. And that is a big part of this sport, that you have to be marketable. Um, so I don't want to shit on his parade, but people don't want to watch you fight, mate. So do something about it. And if you don't want to do something about it, then you're going to lose your belt to Israel Adesanya. Um, and it's a one and done, and that's all she wrote. So, um, I mean, I, I probably would have put Glover against Jan Blachowicz and had an old man battle royale, but um, I don't want to see Glover fight for a belt. In any event, um, Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson, great fight. Uh, obviously, Jan Blachowicz at UFC 259 versus Israel Adesanya, as much as it pains me, that is what's happening. Uh, I think it ruins the middleweight division, um, and I think it causes a lot of problems in the light heavyweight division, uh, which in, in itself is a weak division. Um, so perhaps that's why they're doing it. They can spread it out a bit, but it definitely causes a log jam at 185. Um, and yeah, so that kind of concludes the recent fight announcements. I'm sure there will be more, but a lot to look forward to there. Um, one other thing that has been spoken about, uh, obviously we saw the fantastic performance um, by Charles Oliveira recently. Uh, there is a lot of talk at the moment that Justin Gaethje is going to fight Charles Olivier. It has, it has come up short from just short from being announced, but that's what Dana said that they're working on. Obviously, Gaethje came off his loss to Khabib, which everyone seems to do, um, and Charles Olivier absolutely battered and dismantled um, an aging Tony Ferguson. So Olivier is now on, if you can believe it or not, an eight-fight winning streak in that division. Um, and I think as far as the title picture goes, we all know that uh, Poirier and McGregor obviously fighting, Chandler and Hooker are fighting, and now um, we have Oliveira potentially fighting Gaethje. So any the winner of any of those three fights could potentially fight for the belt. It, it's just about where it lands and how it works out. Um, I think... Oliviera versus Gaethje, if they get it done, is a box office fight that a year ago wasn't. All of a sudden, it is. And that's what we like about this sport. Okay, so there we go. That was episode 14 of the Combat Review. We will be back. Uh, and I use the term we because I may or may not have an actual real physical human being guest to actually speak to. Uh, on Sunday afternoon. So um, thank you very much for your time. I very much enjoyed episode 14. I hope you do too. That's it. I've had it with you. I'll see you later on. Ta-da. 